So we're going to begin in uh, a number of, uh, read a bunch of, uh, a number of different scriptures here today uh, to open our time together. How many brought their Bibles, iPads, iPhones? Read your Bible, study your Bible, meditate on your Bible, and then let your life become the living word. Let your life become an invitation for others. So let's start in Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13. And I believe this even goes in line with uh, prophetically what God was speaking, but we, we've been emphasizing, uh, and God has had us focus on living out our purpose. And then last night we looked a little bit at just the corporate dimension of that, and then God said some things prophetically. And I believe we'll see uh, a little more here of what God wants to add to uh, what he wants to emphasize as we, as I close my time here with you this weekend. Look at Acts chapter 13. For David, after he had served God's purposes for his own generation, fell asleep and was buried among his fathers and underwent decay. And then uh, Acts 15, a little later, we, uh, a few chapters later, we won't look at it, but it, it, the Jerusalem council meets and uh, their, their challenge was that the believers, the early believers who were uh, who the, the initial people to receive Jesus and receive what we know as a born again experience, the great majority of them were Jews because they believed correctly that Jesus, Yeshua, they wouldn't know the name Jesus, but they understood Yeshua was the promised Messiah that had been promised to their people. And even though God had told them to go out from that place, most of the early believers were uh, uh, Jewish believers. Now, it's very interesting is they did not, they did not, not become Jewish because they got born again. <laughs> It's really important. <laughs> uh, they didn't become Christians. They just believed that Jesus was their promised Messiah. And so, and even, even the Apostle Paul and all the early uh, apostles still continued to live as practicing Jews with Jesus as that answer. And so uh, something begins to happen. Gentiles, which is probably most of us, uh, begin to get born again. And then some of the, the b other believers go, hey, they need to be law compliant. And uh, they, they, so they meet to discuss this and they decide uh, James, brother of Jesus, who was not uh, a follower of Jesus during Jesus's lifetime. Jesus had brothers and sisters. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> They probably had some counseling sessions, you know, <laughs> what's your problem? My brother's perfect. No, really, why are you here? <laughs> you got to be exaggerated. No, no, he's perfect. And mom's always reminding us we should be more like him, you know. <laughs> Can't you do things like your brother? <laughs> so... But James gets born again, and now he's considered among one of the apostles, but he says something interesting. He says, yeah, they, they, he, he recalls this prophecy by Amos, and he says, in the last days, God is going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. And then they decide they, they don't have to add the requirements that some of the Jews were living. And, but he says there, in the last days, God's going to uh, rebuild the tabernacle of David. And we're still in those days. And so... In, if, if God is going to rebuild the tabernacle of David, he's going to need New Testament people like David. So David served his generation. 
He did everything God called them to do. And that's how you want to finish your time here on earth. You don't want to leave having not done everything God asked you to do. And he gives us some understanding of how that can happen. And it, it can happen when you, uh, you practice some of the characteristics of David. And David, we know, was a worshiper. Uh, a great way to transition. And um, I always tell this story because it, it always stirs me. Is the story of Brother Roberts when he transitioned. If all you remember was Oral Roberts from... Uh, as a, as a healing evangelist, you would remember him forever. The miracles that were released through his life. Uh, they, they said, it, it, you, we were singing about the Lion of Judah this weekend. They would say when he would pray for the sick, it would feel like a, a, an unnatural, not even a human voice would pray for the sick. And he would address the sickness. You foul. And then boom, it would come out of someone thousands, not thousands just in the meeting. There were thousands in the, he, in the, in the healing tent. They, they estimated uh, uh, maybe half a million, close to a million people he personally laid hands on. So all of you remember for that, you'd remember him forever, but then he builds a university. And all of you remember for that, you'd, you'd remember him forever. And then all of you remember um, for being, he was on, I don't know if you realize this, he was on he would have a uh, he would have specials where when there was only three channels in America, and he'd be on TV and and he would get criticized because he would come on the program. He would say something good is going to happen to you. Yeah. Unbelievers didn't criticize him. Believers criticized him, <laughs> and a miracle will happen for you. But I, I tell that story because he had fallen down at ninety one, and uh, he was singing the songs of the old tent. That's what he was doing right before he transitioned. Singing the songs from the, the healing crusades. And, you know, you're in a hospital, you're supposed to be quiet. And so they told his, his, his remaining children, like, hey, listen, we, you know, we know he's old. Can you get him to be quiet? And so they go into the room. Richard goes to the room and goes, Dad, you need to be quiet. You know, it's you're kind of loud. It's hostile. He says, I'm not going to be quiet. He says, I'm going home. That's right. He goes, well, you're not going <laughs> to, you can't go home for a few, he thought he was telling, you know, so he's, you, know I'm, you can't go home quite yet, you need to stay a few days. He goes, no, I'm going home. God has told me I've done everything I, he's called me to do, and I'm leaving the earth. That's how you want to leave. But another characteristic of David is that he defeated Goliath, and not just Goliath, but he won many victories. So part of your purpose in the earth, you're going to have Goliaths that you're going to have to overcome. And uh, part of your life purpose is filled, will be filled with challenges that are seemingly impossible if you're living correctly. Like if you're believing life has no challenges in it, I want to suggest to you, then you're probably living far below what God intended you to live. <laughs> or if you can figure out your life purpose kind of intellectually, or in a sense like, you know, if I do this, you know, have a little money away and I get a few bonuses, we'll be good and we're cruising, then you're also living far below what God intended you to live. 
There is no cruise control in the kingdom of God. There's not. I'm not saying don't plan for retirement, don't save or anything like that. But I'm saying your life should always be advancing. And in advance, it's not like, like I'm not like, I'm not someone who like looks for the enemy. I have just found when you move forward in purpose, the enemy will try and stop you. Yeah. All sorts of different ways. And the only way you'll, you, you'll overcome that is if you learn how to utilize the God kind of faith that God has given you. So let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter, uh, let's start in Hebrews 11, the famous chapter on the subject of faith. Verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain the good testimony. Now, now, right here, this is really important. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So the things which are seen were not made of things that are visible. Two things I want you to catch from that. And you'll read here in a moment that without faith, you can't please God. Without faith, you can't please God. Why does it please God? There's many you could, you could go here for the next 50 minutes at least. But faith pleases God because he has made provision for you to overcome all things. And when you choose, the only way you can access that is through faith. It's kind of like being born. Think about your born again experience. What's the will of God? The will of God is for everyone, everyone in Martinsville, Henry County to be born again. God is willing that none should perish. Salvation, what, is a gift from God, not of your own, right? Same way for everything else that God, has, God, God wants to give you inside of the believing life. But unless you choose faith in God, unless you choose to receive that, you will live in deficit without that. And the other part about the nature of God, uh, a, a good way to grow in faith is become a theologian of the nature of God, because you will never trust a God that you don't know or know his nature towards you. It's very difficult to trust a God that you're not convinced is good and kind and has your best, uh, um, uh, your well-being in mind. You, you want your greatest caretaker? God himself. The greatest caretaker for your life is God himself. But, so he teaches us there, without faith, you cannot understand certain things. And he also tells us that uh, faith brings into existence what cannot be seen through the natural eye. Whether you realize it or not, your belief system is what dominates your world. So he tells us there, so it's really important. You, it's, and, and understand this, faith is not intellectual. Faith is governed by revelation. That's why you can look at something and you go, uh, how's that ever going to happen? But once, once you solidify it and begin to build it in your heart, you go, it's going to happen. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. 
Skip on to verse 6. I encourage you to read this whole chapter. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? It pleases God to take care of you. It pleases God to be your source of all things. So, but, but you, can, you, you, you can only receive that inheritance unless you choose it. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. What, 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 what must you believe that he is? That he wants to be your source of all things. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, uh, just skip on to uh, verse 39, just uh, an important point here that I believe God would have us emphasize. And all these, having attained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What does that mean? That means that there are people whose full inheritance cannot be received unless you walk in the life of faith and overcome certain things. You just just a simple natural example is that if if a man or a woman cannot overcome an addiction or something else, the data, the research clearly shows that that child will now battle that area of their life. But when, when someone is, can overcome something in their lineage, that child will never have to, that, that when you can overcome something, the chances are your, ch- your child struggling with that go down way much. Now, the good news is this, a very high percentage, right? If a mother uh, has crack or cocaine, that that child will probably be infected. But the good news is this, just like, just like in the negative, in the positive, Holy Spirit parents can have Holy Spirit kids who have to have to struggle with certain things that you struggled through. Generational curse, generational blessing. And then first John, not the gospel, John, first John chapter five, Verse 2, we'll start in verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God, and when we love God, we keep his commandments. That when we love God, we keep his commandments. This is the love of God that we, do you know that you can love God, but he not be the priority of your life? For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. In this world, Jesus' words, you will what? Have tribulation, but what? Be of good cheer, I have overcome. I used to hear as a kid, they, they emphasized that other part. And I go, why don't you read, when I started reading the Bible, I go, they never read the other part. They love talking about tribulations. They didn't tell us that he overcame. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Why does it overcome the world? Because he's restoring the original mandate in Genesis 1 for you to have dominion and subdue. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. world. Our faith. Now, 
Who is, uh, finish verse five, who is he that overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So he tells us, it's your inheritance if you're a born again believer to overcome, then he gives you the currency by which he does it. Now here's the brilliant thing about God and the kingdom of God. Everything that he's ever asked you to do, he's already given you the power to do, including walking by faith. Everyone. According to Ephesians chapter 2, there, there is no, there is no like, sometimes uh, uh, people like to embrace this sort of thinking that Joanna gets more faith than her, and so she can do more things, and, you know, she's just kind of special, and she's anointed, because then it removes responsibility for the other person to walk by faith. So according to Ephesians chapter 2, Everyone has been given a measure of faith in Romans, the 12th chapter. By grace, you've been saved by faith, not of your own, right? It is a gift of God. And God has dealt to each person the measure of faith. So mountain moving faith is on the inside of you. I got one amen. (laughs) Mountain moving faith is on the inside of you. The ability to overcome every mountain that would come in the path of your purpose, in the path of believing the promises of God and inheriting every every promise, every provision made in the kingdom of God is already on the inside of you. you. Now you have a responsibility to develop that measure of faith. Now here's another beautiful thing about faith. According to uh, Mark the 11th chapter, God says you can have his faith. That's where it gets really good. How does God create and move things in the earth? By faith. He calls things be not as though they are because they will be. He's convinced everything that ever comes out of his mouth will come to pass. And because we're partakers of the divine nature, he invites us to move like him in the earth. You're not a little God, but you can embrace the God kind of faith that calls things be not as though they are because they will be. And this is good news because that means you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances or even your poor mistakes. God is one with himself. He sees, he speaks. So what does God do? He speaks what he believes. And what he speaks comes to pass always. So what does he do? He gives you his word that you can trust that's eternal. That when you speak it, you can be convinced it will come to pass for you too. People, I just don't see how that'll work. (laughs) I've had other people, I remember years ago, someone said, I don't believe what you just said. I said, I believe you. Really? Yes. I said, because you have no evidence. You have perfect evidence for nothing in your life. They got mad. But they didn't realize you will have what you say, whether you believe the word of God or not. (laughs) So we'll look now at the story of David and Goliath here, where you'll see what will teach us some some, uh, principles of how David walked this out by faith. Now, one of the things that we did look at uh, or that we talked about in our previous sessions is that when God speaks to you, it is... uh, 
It is the power that he gives you to do what he told you to do. And everything that God speaks to you, you can do. 1 Samuel 16, I encourage you to read it. David is anointed king. He has been called to be king, but you'll also notice there that just because he's anointed to be king, what the most translations will say, the Holy Spirit came on him from that day forward. So the power resident to become king is now upon his life. And he's also, you'll see, he's leveraging the favor that came with that prophetic word to overcome Goliath. But you'll also see something else about the life of faith that's really important. Never Now he's got a word, we'll, we'll understand that he's a man of the word, but you'll never see God say, thus saith the Lord, David, go defeat Goliath. There are certain things that when you begin to walk with the Lord, because you know the word of God, you realize they're illegal to come into your life. It's illegal for lack to live in your life. It's illegal for sickness to live in your house. It's illegal for torment, for anything, for unsettledness, for fear, for anything like that to live in your house. But sometimes believers live with this so long, they just think they have to accept it. Right. And it's often in the process of standing on the word of God that you discover the healing on the inside that you need. And the deliverance that you need from generational things when you stand on those things. You don't deny those things, but you, 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 through your partnership with the Lord, sometimes you can bring other people into it. You can get the healing in your heart so you can fully walk out the freedom that God wants to give you. So 1 Samuel chapter 17. To truly walk as God intends us to walk in the earth, it will take a bold person. There's, there's, there's people who produce great fruit, people who produce everything that faith was intended to produce do not live passive lives. They don't live lives. You, you know, on the boat, you get to hang out with the disciples, but you walk on water, you can walk in places that only Jesus calls you to walk. And you'll see this in the story. He's still a young boy, which also teaches you something else about the life of faith. The currency of faith works at 12 years old, at 8 years old. It doesn't matter how old you are. Faith will work. Amen. Teach your kids about faith. Teach your kids that you can trust things. Never tell your kids you can't afford something. Tell them we're going to put on our faith to receive that. Amen. That was for someone. 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. They're gathered at Sukkot and they encamped between Sukkot and Ahiza and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Ephah and drew up, up in battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on one mountain. On one side, Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out to the camp uh, of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in span. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. I'm not going to read the next five verses, but I believe that there's a reason that the writer puts in there uh, 
an extent, at least five verses that describe how big Goliath is. Because he wants to emphasize to you that if you looked at Goliath just with your natural eyes and, and you, you thought, and, and it, you weren't looking through the lens of faith, you could be easily intimidated. But here's another gift that faith gives you. Faith gives you the gift of not being governed by your five senses in this world. Faith gives you the gift of not being governed by your five senses in this world. Your senses are not bad. God gave you their senses. There are parts of your body that God made. They were just not made to govern your life on the earth. Please, don't just pray in tongues when you leave this parking lot. I always say, (laughs) you pray in tongues and you shut your eyes and you took wrong, you're going to get hit. Here's another for young ladies out there. I don't care how nice he is. If the boy don't have a job, leave him. You don't need a word from God. Here's a word from God. Just use your senses. The boy ain't had a job. Well, I love him. (laughs) I love him. Well, if you want to be his mommy and live in the basement the rest of your life and take care of him. (laughs) I just want to pray about it. I said, I don't need to pray about anything right now. There's certain things I don't need to pray about. I'm just using my senses for that one. (laughs) The brother hasn't had a job in five years. (laughs) Well, he serves the church because he doesn't have a job. He's at every service. Yeah, he should be because he doesn't have a job. (laughs) He cleans the church for free. Yes, because he doesn't have a job. People find spiritual reasons to anyway. Yeah. But faith is that gift. And all you looked at Goliath, so we're not speaking against the senses, but the senses cannot govern you. And to live by faith, you have to be governed by revealed knowledge. And that's a readjustment often in how we're taught to do things. Faith acts on the word of God, not the circumstance in front of you. Faith acts on the word of God, not the circumstance in front of you. And this is what he does, because this is what the enemy does. Verse 8, and he stood out and cried out to the armies of Israel, have you not come out to battle, uh, line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants in service. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Then Saul and all Israel heard these words. That's really important. Heard these words. Proverbs 4 is really, really like beyond important. And it is guard your heart with all diligence. Some translations say guard your heart because it defines your life. Mm -hmm. Every person in this room, you will hear things that you can either choose to let it access your heart or not. And every person in this room, even when you're walking by faith, it doesn't mean you don't have these thoughts. It doesn't mean you won't have the, you're not going to make it. It's not going to work. What you're doing, God told me, you know, I've had many times the devil told me, you're going to go broke trying to do this. All this stuff, that's not doubt. It's what you choose to do with those words that you're hearing. You'll see that David practices a New Testament principle here in a minute because faith comes by hearing. 
But you'll see, so does fear. So does unbelief. And you'll see, all these guys are trained for battle. All of these guys are covenant people. All of these guys got the shofar blowed over them. Got the oil put on them. Got the Gary Brooks crown on them at one time. This is where the rubber meets the road when you're standing in the middle of difficulty and you have to choose to, to have faith in God. But here's the other thing here. In their fear, they are, not, they are now paralyzed and cannot move forward. Just because you deny something doesn't mean it doesn't exist anymore. And they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 16. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Why is he doing that? Because it works. Intimidation. Words. You'll never do it. And this is, this is where the enemy will abort most people's ability to overcome. Because he immediately tells you, you can't do it. Uh, who do you think you are? 